we're talking about being sustained by God. It's burning in my heart for you to know and see things as they really are. If you watch the news or on social media at all, you're probably going, okay, what do I believe? So I'm so glad you asked that question because this is what you believe. Amen. Amen. This will get you through everything. It'll get you through everything unhindered with no residual of what you've gone through. God, at you as you as his child, God is the one who sustains you. So give yourself a break today, right? You have the God of heaven that literally has literally, the Bible says you were created in him Christ. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. I mean, think about that. The Bible says in Colossians, that your life was tucked away with Christ in God. So God is your sustainer. So let's go to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, verse 22. Take your time because I'm going to get a drink while you're going there. Hallelujah. Psalm 55, 22. Foundational scripture, one of them in this study. Hallelujah. What we're going to do today, this morning, is we want to look at what the Old Testament picture gives us of your life in Christ right now as a New Testament believer. And then we're going to talk about why that's true. Because the Bible is very clear. This is a major subject. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, it talks about Two people, one person that built their life upon a rock, one person that built their life upon sand. Both houses encountered the same storms in their life, but it was only the one who was prepared. So in other words, what they had in them before the storm came determined whether or not their house fell. And so you need to know this morning that anything that happens in the world for the rest of your life, the rest of your time on this earth, is not to shake your house. And, and the reason why is because you are in Christ. And he is your sustainer. We're never to be strong in ourselves. Right? We don't overcome. See, the Bible doesn't say that we overcome because of who we are. No, it says we overcome... Why? Because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. So we overcome because his blood washed away our sin and made us brand new. We've been made the righteousness of Almighty God. But that's not enough. And the word of our testimony. So we speak his word out of our mouth. That's how we overcome. So in other words, we're overcoming because of him. So uh, Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. And then it says this, he shall never suffer or he shall never allow the righteous to be moved. Wow. Have you ever 
Have you ever encountered something in your life and you've stood and you've seen God just completely, completely hold you and keep you to where you're just not even moved? It's, it's wonderful. And that's what the Bible is talking about. So, but, but it all starts in order for him to not allow the righteous to be moved, you have to make a decision that you are not going to allow yourself to be moved. Well, how do you do that? You have to cast your burden upon the Lord. Notice, if you don't cast your burden upon the Lord, he's going to have to allow you to be moved because you're allowing it. If you look at the sovereignty doctrine in the Bible, it's very clear Sovereignty. God is sovereign. And here's rule number one of sovereignty in your life. God must allow whatever you allow. But if you won't allow it, he won't allow it. Isn't that good news? So cast your burden. This word burden, we said this last week. This word burden literally means something that is given to you that bothers you, that troubles you. And that weighs you down. In the book, of, uh, in, in uh, James, it says, lay aside every weight. Or is that Hebrews? Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. So this burden is a weight. It's something that's bothering you and weighing you down. To be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you have to live with a clear conscience which means you're walking through life not allowing anything to bother you. If you have cares, you just literally give it to the Lord. If somebody says, well, wait a minute, don't you care? Your response needs to be, you know, I refuse to care. I roll all of my cares over on the Lord, and that allows all of my cares to be taken care of. Because if I'm carrying a care, he can't carry it. So I have to give it to him. So I cast, I throw my burden over on the Lord, and he will sustain me. This Hebrew word sustain means he will keep me in. In where? Well, in that secret place. In that place of safety. In that place of provision. In that place of health. It also means literally, not only will he keep you in, but he'll guide you, he'll bear you, he will nourish you, and he will provide for you. In other words, it's like God says, if you'll cast your burden upon me, I'll literally draw you into myself, and I'll nourish you, I'll provide for you, I'll keep you. And this is where you are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Lord had a, had a word that he gave me, a, a word of prophecy during worship for our church, but hasn't released me to say that yet. But it's along the lines of, you have to get ready. This is, this is a time when you are to really shine in your life. This is not the time to be backing up. This is not the time to be backing up and allowing circumstances or your past or situations to keep you away from putting God first in every area of your life. 
Because God, he wants, see, this is the year of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost and fire that's going to cause the glory of God to be seen as never before. And what that is, is that's you standing immovable and fixed in joy and in peace, literally facing things and coming through things just unhindered. So right now, if you talk to people, I talk to a lot of Christians. I've talked to several pastors this week. There's just an unsureness. It's it's almost kind of like, you know, man, we... We need to brace ourselves, and, and I don't know what's going on. And, and that, man, I've got people in our church that's wanting me to do this. And then I'm talking to people, and they're, they're, they're making decisions to kind of back off a little bit from God. This is not the time to do that. That word in, in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added to you. Putting God first in every area of your life will literally fill your life with the presence of God. And it'll, it'll literally cause you, won't it be cool that those family members, those people you know, when they see things happen and they see you walk, not bracing for impact, no, this is how you face the most incredible challenges of your life. With your eyes closed, See, this is the place where you're strong in the Lord. Full of joy, full of peace, not worried about anything that the enemy's bringing because he's defeated. Oh, he may not look defeated, but he is defeated. And he knows it. Well, he might not know it because he's really, really, he's spiritually dead. So, you know, whenever you give, I give into my flesh, you just get stupid. Right? You, you make dumb decisions, you, you, whatever, right? But if, you'll, if you literally, for us as Christians, God wants you to shine forth with his glory as he sustains you. This year is to be the greatest year you've ever had in your life. And you're saying, well, now wait a minute. You know, I can't stand wearing a mask and, and being separated from everybody. See, I got to tell you, you know, I went, I went with, to Costco with my wife the other day and we came out of there and I'm just like, wow, I felt like I didn't have any connection with anybody. And you know, and I, and I just, I just kind of complained about that within myself. And I heard those three anointed words from the Holy Spirit come up on the inside of me. Get over yourself. Listen, no mask is going to keep me from connecting with people. No, no, no social distancing, no virus, no anything is going to keep me from walking and being light in this world, showing people that God loves them, right? And that's, that's the way it's got to be for all of us. So this, I just want to build you guys up here. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. It says that he will never allow the righteous, which are his kids, never allow them to be moved. This Hebrew word moved 
means he will never allow you to be shaken. He will never even allow you to slip. He will never allow you, and this is the picture the Hebrew word gives, to be carried off your course. Nothing. This is Joshua 1.5 all over again. He said, Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you. And this word stand before you means to stand before you and stop you all the days of your life because I'm with you. And that's what he's saying to us today. So now, then we jumped over to Isaiah 54. Jump over there real quick. Isaiah 54, I would encourage you, these are scriptures that I would encourage you to write down and start speaking over your life. And as you get revelation knowledge of them, it will change your life forever. It'll change your life forever. Don't think... See, just because we read this stuff under the anointing, you get a flash in church. But, but literally, you got to go from that flash and you, and you start to etch it on your spirit to where you, you meditate in this scripture. I meditate in Psalm 55, 22. As I walk through my life, this, now I'm meditating in this scripture. Lord Jesus, I'm going to cast every burden upon you. I thank you that I'm carefree and burden-free. And I thank you that you are the one that sustains me. For you never allow me to be moved in any way. And you say that over and over and over. And you'll go from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. That word of God, this one verse that was written years and years ago, will start, light will start coming out of that word that will apply directly to your life. And what happens, you'll become very sensitive and all of a sudden as the light turns up, you might think that I've cast every care on the Lord, but as the light of the word of God comes up, as you meditate in it, all of a sudden, the spirit of God will show you another care that you've been carrying. And then you'll go, wow. And then, but then what you'll do is roll that off. Or when something new comes, you'll be like, oh no, no, I don't receive that. Right? You'll get very sensitive. This is how the word works. So now in Isaiah 54, in verse 14, another foundational scripture, it says in righteousness, which if if you've received Christ as your Savior, according to Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians, he was made to be sin, verse 21, so that you and I, through his, right, being made sin, would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. So you are the righteous, And now Isaiah 54, 14, it's saying right here, in righteousness, you shall be established. This means, again, fixed and immovable. You and I are immovable in Christ as long as we execute our righteousness. To execute your righteousness, you have to know that you've been made righteous. And then you act on that by speaking that. Right? 
In righteousness, you will be fixed and immovable. It goes on to say, you'll be far from oppression. Oppression, this word means something that comes down to exercise hard control over you. God does not want anything oppressing you. Do you know burdens can turn into oppression really quick? When you're carrying something, you'll start talking about them. All of a sudden, this oppression is coming down because it wants to create a vain imagination in your mind, this movie that's going on, so this becomes part of your lifestyle. Well, you know what, we've... I, I grew up in a family that never really had anything, and, and, I, and I don't really have anything. And, and you know, in my future, what, what makes me think I'll have anything in my future? And, you know, we had a lot of sickness in our family, and, and now, you know, I have some sickness in me, and this is going to... And what, what the enemy's trying to do is get you to look at your future and see it never changing. Because remember, faith gives substance to things hoped for. So if you're not expecting anything to happen good in your future, there's no way you could walk by faith. It says you'll be far from oppression. Why? Because you will not fear. See, there's one thing that you need to know in Christ. He's with you, so there is nothing to fear. The Bible says, Paul writing to Timothy uh, a young pastor, he says, listen, Timothy, I've not, God has not given you the spirit of fear. And this is the Greek word delia. It literally means something that will turn you into a coward. When the spirit of fear manifests, like if, if you get a report or something happens in your life and all of a sudden you don't realize it because you think it's a natural circumstance, but there's a spirit, spiritual demonic thing behind it that will all of a sudden kind of fire up your emotions and the enemy will tell you, man, you're in fear. But you're not in fear. You just tell your emotion, emotions to calm down. That's coming from the outside. Isn't it, ta- isn't it funny how we talk about being in fear? But what we're really meaning is fear is in us. But fear is not in you as a child of God. You don't have a spirit of fear. You don't have anything in you that can turn you into a coward. This word delia literally deals with things that haven't happened yet. It's the what ifs of life. What if this doesn't get any better? What if this gets worse? Right? What if the whole country goes a certain way? What if this happens? When, we, when I lived in California, it was always, what if the San Andreas Fault would go? You know, what if Mammoth Mountain, this volcano would explode? Always what if. And, and all the reports were, man, it's way overdue. Right? What if? Now we have the what ifs. What if this virus gets worse? What, if you'll notice, what if this global control goes, goes, what if this and what if that? I'm telling you. We as never before have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because I'm telling you, all this stuff can change, but he never changes. And your authority never changes. The Bible says in righteousness, you will be fixed and immovable. 
You will be far from anything exercising hard control over you because you will not fear and from terror because it will not come near you. Jumping down to verse 17, it says no weapon. Notice it says no weapon. So what does that mean? Does that mean that there's any possibility of a weapon that will prosper against you? It says no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Well, I'll tell you, that would be a good one to grab hold of with this virus. Do you know this virus? They're pretty sure it was formed. I'm not pretty sure. I, I can guarantee you it was formed. And I'll tell you, let's go a little deeper than all the whatever we say. Listen, it might have been formed in a lab in Wuhan, China. We don't know. We have a good idea. But no, 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 no. This was formed in the very demonic heart of Satan. And no weapon formed is going to prosper. So I don't fear a virus. I don't fear cancer. I don't fear diabetes. I don't fear any of these things because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I'll condemn the tongue. Love the person, but condemn the tongue. Why? Because this is the heritage. And and we got to read this in the light of New Testament truth. This was written to the Old Testament believers. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I'm a New Testament believer, so I could read it this way. This is the heritage of the children of the Lord. I'm a child of God. Oh, I'm a servant of God as I minister to other people. It always calls me a servant in my relationship with others. But every time it talks about me and him, I'm a child of God. It says, and their righteousness, look at this, is of me, saith the Lord. So as you sit here today, just little old you, right? Little old you that you could probably give us a list of all of your past mistakes. And we might sit here and go, wow, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. But you know, you couldn't give that list to Christ. You know why? And I've heard things, and when I grew up in one denomination, I heard that, well, you know, God has rose, like rose-colored glasses so he doesn't see you in your sin. And I remember growing up thinking, I sure hope he doesn't take off those glasses and see me as I really am, right? But then one day, the Lord asked me, he goes, Tony, do you know why that I don't remember your sin anymore? And I was thinking, oh, I know that one, God. I I, I know that one. You're God. You're able to do that. And he goes, no. He goes, Tony, there's nothing to remember. You got to realize that, guys. Your sin was once and for all, Romans chapter 8, once and for all condemned in the flesh of Jesus on the cross. Your sin was condemned before you were ever even born, before you ever even did it, because it's a spiritual fact. And the moment that you bowed your life and gave your life to Christ, that took place in your life. So this is why when you stand in righteousness, listen, it says the wages of sin is death. 
God removed that from your life. So now let's jump over. I want to read two chapters in Psalms. Now, this does not count for your chapter, okay? We're going through the New Testament, so we're going to actually read two chapters. It's like I told my daughter when she went to Ramah, you know, you're going to sit in three hours a day of anointed classes. Sometimes you'll just be like, wow, but it doesn't count. No, does not count to your personal walk. You still got to get in the word yourself, right? Psalm 23, verse 1. This Psalm 23 is a picture of our lives on this earth right now. This is, in other words, we are going to show you this is what your life is to be. This is your life, absolutely. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is the Hebrew word that you could translate pastor. Oh, I'm the under shepherd of this body, but he is the great shepherd. You're not my sheep. You're, we're all his sheep. Right? But he's placed me here to, to, he'll move through me to equip you to go walk out God's plan for your life. But if I ever leave, you'll still have him, so don't worry about it. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, so because of that, I shall not want. In the Hebrew language means, it literally means this, I shall not lack, I shall not diminish, and I shall not decrease. Ever. Verse 2, look at this. Now notice this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. This is talking about a shepherd with sheep. Sheep lay down when they are completely satisfied. Who causes me to lay down in green pastures? He does. He's my sustainer, not me. Right? It goes on. He leads me beside still waters. This is a place of peace and a place of rest. When you follow God, see, here's the thing. No matter where you walk through as you walk out God's path for your life, all hell will probably break loose on the outside. Not probably, will. You're going to have streams that beat against your house. There's going to be rain and wind and, and circumstances, but he always leads me in a place of peace and rest because my peace and rest comes from the inside. He leads me from the inside. So this is what's really, see, this is what trips people up. People come in and they start hearing this and they think, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, I'm starting to learn about what the word says and I'm just going to be free from having any circumstances in my life. And then when they, shortly after they come to the church, when their washer breaks down and their car breaks down and, you know, this happens and that happens, sometimes they're like, time out, what, what is going on? No, 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 it's just the enemy trying to stop things. So what do you do? Oh, you roll the burden over on the Lord, you humble yourself, you resist the enemy, tell him to get out of your life, 
and walk in the victory because he will always lead you beside still waters. This, this is what God says. He doesn't lead you into chaos ever. Right? Just realize chaos is here because you're on the earth. It says, look at this again, verse 3, he, not us, restores my soul. This Hebrew word restores means to refresh with vigor and energy my soul. That's my mind, my will, and my emotions. He is the one that restores my soul. Well, how does that happen? Well, I have to make a choice to present my body a living, holy sacrifice to him. And then I have to put his word first and meditate in it so that my life will be transformed. The implanted word, James says, brings salvation to my soul. But there is a place in God where he restores your soul. This is to be a continual process. He's continually your shepherd. He's continually leading you beside still waters. He continually makes you to lay down in green pastures. He continually restores your soul. Doesn't happen automatically. You have to be willing and obedient to follow him. Does that make sense? But it's there for you. And the world needs to hear that. It says he leads me in paths of righteousness. Well, we just talked about paths of righteousness. That's a path where in righteousness I'm fixed and immovable. I'm far from oppression uh, because I don't fear. I'm far from terror. It won't come near me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I condemn it. These are the paths of righteousness. This is your path. That's God's will for your life. Isn't that good news? It says here, how, why does he do it? For his name's sake. That sounds a lot like Isaiah 54, 17, doesn't it? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousnesses of me, saith the Lord. That's the saying the same thing for his name's sake. God does that for his name's sake. He wants his children taken care of. And he wants his children to show the world him. We are here to show the world Jesus. It says this in verse 4, darn it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So what is the valley of the shadow of death? The earth. Guess what? You don't want to walk through the valley of the shadow of death anymore. you got to leave the planet. But i got good news for you. We are to have days of heaven on the earth. So while you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, never forget that the Bible says every place that your foot treads upon, I have given you. So now wherever you go, I'm in, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death walking in the kingdom of God where there's no lack, where there's peace, where there's joy, where I'm untouchable. That's my life as a Christian. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. The shepherd would use a rod as a weapon to ward off prey animals. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. What is that? The word of God. And thy staff, the shepherd would use the staff to pull a fallen sheep out of danger. So see, not only will he protect you, but he will literally draw you into himself. You know, sheep, sometimes we're not so smart. And we do stupid things. Now maybe you've never done anything stupid in your life. Just smile, look straight ahead. Everybody will believe that, right? But know this, if you ever do something stupid, thank God for his staff. He'll pull you out of danger. Hallelujah. I love verse 5. Who prepares a table? He does. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why in the presence of my enemies? Because while you're on this earth, there's always enemies around you. There's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, demons that are assigned against you, this satanic hierarchy. But he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. In other words, they see the table and they're trying to keep you from taking things on the table. So they'll try to tell you that there's no table. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you're sick and you're going to die. You're not going to get better. No, no, healing is on the table. Oh, you just don't have enough. And look, look, you don't even see. Look at the possibility with your job or your whatever it is. You have no capacity to change this. No, 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 no. All the provision is on the table. God has prepared a table, prepared this. Now, this is what's really cool. The word prepare literally means to arrange and to put in order. It means to work out all the details beforehand. So God, what is on your table? As he's prepared a table, so you're, wa- you're literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death and what's right beside you is your table. And God went ahead and put everything in order. So if you encounter sickness and disease, guess right, what? Right where you encountered it is a warm plate of healing. Fresh. He already prearranged that. When you see a financial something on the outside that looks like a deviation financially, guess what? No, 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 no. There's fresh financial provision that's perfect. See, this is, this is what the enemy doesn't want you to know. God's never late. He's always right on time. Why? Because he, he tells the end from the beginning. I mean, isn't it amazing that he calls you and I world overcomers? Why? Because we're born of him. So, so he calls us world overcomers. Well, wait a minute, God. I still haven't walked out a lot of this. Nope, nope. I'm already a world overcomer. Because he sustains me. I love this. And then it says this, you anoint my head with oil. 
Here we go. We have the anointing. I have the anointing within me. And in case you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, I've got news for you. He anoints your head with oil. See, I'm anointed on the inside because the anointed, the anointing rests within me. It's the Holy Spirit. But I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and now he's anointed. It's a, he's upon me. And look at what happens as a result of that. My cup is never just full. My cup runs over. It's a picture of abundance. God has no plans for you to just have enough. He has absolutely plans for you to never have not enough. He only has plans for you to have more than enough. So if you don't have more than enough right now, if you can't see the more than enough, then get a big smile on your face because the more than enough is right there in your life. And it's just a matter of you going to your table and taking it. How do I take it? You take it with your taker. How do I do that? I start walking around. Father, I thank you that you've met all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you that my cup runs over. I have more than enough finances. I have more than enough strength. I have more than enough health. Right? How do you have more than enough health? It's you walk in health and you teach others how to walk in health. More than enough. Everything that God creates, it always increases. Globalists will tell you, man, we're so afraid if we don't make all these changes, which means place tyranny on people. It really has nothing to do about things. They're saying, you know, we're, we're on this planet, we're going to run out. But, but nothing on this planet will ever run out because it's impossible for God to ever run out. Right? Those kind of things are spoken by people who don't know God. Then it says this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, when I'm walking through my life, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what might sneak up on me. I know what's behind me. Goodness and mercy, right? Shirley's not behind me, but goodness and mercy's behind me, right? I'm expecting that. And see, what's really cool is I know the blessing of the Lord overtakes me. I never seek the blessing. I always just seek him and it overtakes me. Well, what is the blessing? Goodness and mercy. Wow. Do you know what the Bible calls a mercy? Healing. Says it over and over about healing. It's a mercy. Wow. Healing is a mercy. Goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See now, don't think he's talking about now and eternity. 
because your life, you've already received eternal life. So guess what? When I'm standing before Jesus, when I walk through eternity, guess who's going to be following me? Goodness and mercy. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guess where I'm at right now? I'm in the house of the Lord right now. See, the enemy can steal when you don't know this. So we take this scripture and we start walking it out. So now jump over to Psalm 91. The Lord just wants to encourage you today. God has greatness in store for you. And he wants you to catch that wave. And I'll tell you, to catch that wave, you're going to have to let go of yourself. But oh, is it worth letting go of yourself. It says in Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth, that means to abide continually in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So we're to abide continually in the secret place. This is a hiding place, a place of protection and shelter. You could translate this word, a covering in secret. As I'm standing here before you right now, I am in the secret place. This is a place of meditation where I'm meditating in the word of God. This is a place where a person abides beyond the reach of the enemy. The enemy can't get to you here. I'm in Christ. I'm in the secret place. Now look at this. When you dwell in the secret place, what happens? The first thing that will happen is you will start talking. I want you to see the dialogue of Psalm 91. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. So it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord. In other words, the person that's abiding in the secret place is speaking God's word. If you're not speaking God's word, you're not abiding in the secret place. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. This is a spoken of a person that's abiding in God. Surely, now this person is still talking. Surely he shall deliver me. Now this is saying deliver thee, but let's personalize this. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. This is interesting because the word pestilence in the Hebrew language means a plague and it means an epidemic. So if you take plague and epidemic, it's really kind of funny the word you come up with. Pandemic. Surely he will deliver me. Verse 4, 
He shall cover me with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth, which is his word, shall be my shield. Now this Hebrew word shield, it's not like something you hold, a shield. It's a shield that completely surrounds you. And a buckler. His truth or his word will completely shield me, be my shield and my buckler, which is that Hebrew word means armor. Wonder if it's talking about the armor of God. Verse 5 Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day. So the person that dwells in the secret place is a person who's speaking the word of God and the word of God becomes his shield and his armor and now it's saying that will cause me to be in a position where I will not fear anything. I'll not be afraid of anything day or night. Nor for the pestilence, nor from the epidemic or the plague that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. In righteousness you will be far from oppression, because you will not fear, nor from terror It will not come near you. It's it's saying the same thing. See, a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand. You and I are to expect this. You expect that no matter whatever happens outside in my life, it is not going to affect me. Man, that's shouting time. This, there's a place, this is the place that Jesus provided for us. It says, only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Only with your eyes. You won't experience it in your life. No, no, no. You'll just see what happens to those that have sided with the enemy. And then it says, now here's the dialogue. See, It says some things about abiding, and then all of a sudden the person starts talking. Now look at God's answering. Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. See, because we've made the Lord our refuge and habitation, there shall no evil befall thee now remember remember back how many times have i said and showed you in the word that god deals with you based on his word and what you say in your word so why don't we say what he's saying walk around there shall no evil befall me and no plague can come in my dwelling no plague Right? It says, For he shall give his angels charge over you 
to keep thee in all your ways. Hebrews brings this out and talks about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation? Right now you have angels. There's angels here right now. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that reverence, honor, and respect him. Expect that. This is, this is not some fairy tale. This is real. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and the adder. Satan comes as a roaring lion. Mark 16, you'll take up serpents and scorpions, talking about our authority over the satanic hierarchy. That it says you'll tread upon the lion and the adder. Well, that makes sense for a New Testament believer, because guess where Satan is? He's under our feet. Oh, he feels like, oh. But who cares about that? I'm not going to go by what I feel. To be honest with you, this is why don't ever ask me how I'm feeling, because I tell myself how I'm feeling, and you should too. Right? Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. The dragon, who's called the dragon? Hmm. You shall trample under feet. Verse 14. Now look at this. This is God talking. Because he hath set his love upon me. Do you know how you set your love upon the Lord? And this is a real key, and you're going to see this. And, and, and I promise, Pastor Mark Mason did not, I, I don't, he, he's not paying me to say this. But how you do this, because he hath set his love on me, worship is how you set your heart and your love on God. So expect new dimensions of worship. I want to encourage you in your personal life, start worshiping God. If you've never done that, it will feel real weird and strange to your flesh. Don't worry about it. Your flesh doesn't want to worship. But we don't worship out of our flesh. Right? Your flesh doesn't want to raise your hands. Your flesh doesn't want to dance. Your flesh doesn't want to make up songs. But your spirit does. Yeah, I'm really glad we'll never have a camera in my office, at home, or at the church. Because I'll dance before the Lord. And it probably looks kind of silly. But it makes him happy. Because I'm setting my love on him. But, but see, here's the key with this. I can only do that because I'm walking in a revelation of his love for me. That's what's so powerful with this. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Is that God saying, listen, unless you set your love upon me, I refuse to deliver you. It can't be that because the Bible says he's already delivered us. But you'll never be able to walk and receive the deliverance if you don't do this. I want to encourage you. There's places in worship. 
that it will, it, will, it will take you to a different place. To be honest with you, the secret place is a place of worship. That Jesus went to prepare a place for you. It's not just a mansion in heaven. No, he prepared a place of worship for you here. This is so, so important. So important. Walking in a revelation of the love of God enables us to believe him so that we can possess the inheritance that he's provided for us. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Isn't that good news? If you've ever been in trouble, or if you ever get in trouble, and, and, and you know, I know in my life, normally in trouble has meant I've done something stupid, I'm the guilty one, and I'm in trouble. He's still with you there. But I'm telling you, if you're ever in trouble, not because of you, but because of just an attack of the enemy or whatever, just know he's with you. And he's there to do what? Not only will he be there, but he, he says, I will deliver him and I will honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. This word show means to discern so that you will see and know your salvation. What does this word, Hebrew word salvation means? Mean it means healing and deliverance from all the effects of sin. Wow. This is huge. So I want to end this today. You know, I, I wanted to get a lot farther, but we'll just have to deal with it next week. But I, there was a, a prophecy that was given years and years ago by Kenneth Hagin. He, he founded the Bible school that I went to. He went home to be with the Lord in 2003. But, but let this... Let this sink in. He said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit one time in a service. He said, power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him through his overcoming the enemy belongs to the church. Therefore, exercise that authority for it belongs to you on the earth, and in this life, you shall reign by Jesus Christ. And that's what I would say. You know, we didn't get into that part about why, but we will next week. The why is, Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. In other words, everything that Adam lost and more, I got back. And then, he said, now listen, guys, here's the way this is. You are the body of Christ. You are my body on the earth. I'm the head, and Satan is under your feet. He, we have been given all the authority in the name of Jesus, and we are to use that authority to reign, to have full and superior dominion in this earth, to be fixed and immovable in Christ. That's your, that's our future. Grab hold of it and never let it go. And I got to tell you, we grab hold of this truth together. 
Many are prophesying that this is a year of the local church. And it is. It's the foundation. You want to get knit in to a bunch of believers that are growing that you can walk with in relationship with. We're stronger together. The Bible says one of us will put 1,000 to flight. That's pretty cool. But two of us will put 10,000 to flight. Amen? So we get, just realize this, God will never call you to do anything for yourself or by yourself. There's no example in the Bible where anybody laid hold of their inheritance alone. We all did it together with our company. Amen? But God has a great future this year for you.